But man can do what God says if God said for man to do it. This is miraculous. This is God himself. This is the life we were designed for. Thanks for listening to the His Hill Podcast. My name is Kelly Darty, and I'm your host. In this episode, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 6, verses 1 to 11. Now, as I read these verses, remember that the word Sabbath means rest. And also, pay attention to how many times the word Sabbath is repeated. Repetition equals emphasis, so the emphasis in these verses will be that of rest, that is Sabbath. So let's look at these verses, beginning in verse 1. Now it happened that he was passing through some grain fields on a Sabbath, and his disciples were picking the heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands, and eating the grain. But some of the Pharisees said, Why do you do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, saying, Have you not even read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful uh, for any to eat except the priests alone, and gave it to his companions? And he was saying to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, He entered the synagogue and was teaching, and there was a man there whose right hand was withered. The scribes and the Pharisees were watching him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath, so they might find reason to accuse him. But he knew what they were thinking, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Get up and come forward. He got up and he came forward. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save a life or to destroy it? After looking around at them, he said to them, Stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. But they themselves were filled with rage and discussed together what they might do to Jesus. Is rest a reality for you, or is it that unobtainable carrot at the end of the stick? The word Sabbath refers to the seventh day of the week, so Saturday, and in the Old Testament, it was to be a day of rest from work. Its origins go back to the creation account. In Genesis 2-2, we read, by the seventh day... God completed his work which he had done, and he rested Shabbat on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Verse 3, then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested Shabbat from all his work which God had created and made. So we see that our designed reality from creation, was the rest, the Shabbat, the Sabbath, which means to cease and celebrate. That's what God's rest is, to cease and celebrate. 
At the end of every school year here at His Hill, we have a banquet. Now, we don't have the banquet, you know, every month. We don't have the banquet at the, uh, just before spring break. We have the banquet at the end of the school year. Not another class is to be taken. They've all been completed. Not Not another assignment is given. They've all been given. It's time to cease and celebrate because it's finished. And that's the idea here. That's what mankind is to know all the way back from creation. God's ceasing and celebrating. God's rest. God's Sabbath. This is the completed work of God. His rest. And this was to be mankind's reality. So, are we now doomed to never know this rest because of the fall? To only chase that carrot at the end of our days? To only see the promise, but never know the reward until someday in heaven? Well, first of all, Scripture is clear that rest is to be a present reality for those who have placed their faith in Christ. Hebrews 4.1 says this, Therefore, let us... And in the context, us are believers. Therefore, let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. You see, there is a rest for the believer to know. Maybe you've heard the name Carla Faye Tucker. Carla Faye Tucker was a resident of Texas. And she had gotten involved in a relationship with a man that was was not good for her, took her places that was not good. And as a result, she ended up in prison. She and her boyfriend had actually committed murder. And Carla Faye Tucker became known for the fact that she would be the first woman to be executed in Texas since the Civil War. And Larry King, who was uh, once a, uh, had an interview show on CNN, went to the jail, to the prison, to interview her. It was national news that she was going to be executed, and there were a lot of people that were against this, and there was a lot of protests against it. And so he went to see her, to talk with her about what was going on. The interview was incredible. I remember this happened, it was at least 30 years ago, and I remember watching the interview. And after this long interview that took at least an hour, you could see that there was a little bit of frustration from Larry King. Because as he was talking to this woman, she, she was very calm. There were people all over the country who were upset and angry over what was about to happen. But this woman to whom it was about to happen to was very calm. You see, while in prison, beginning the very first night in jail, the Lord put someone in her life to lead her to Christ. She became a believer. This murderer became a believer. And she had this incredible rest, even though she knew she was about to be executed. And she didn't deny 
that this was the penalty for what she had done. She didn't try to ignore that. She said she would like to live, but she understood what was going on and why it had to happen. Larry King, as the interview went on, became very frustrated that she wasn't upset. And so finally, I have some of the text of the interview. He said this, All that's going on, Larry King says, and now finally, you remain up. Carla Faye said, yes. Larry King said, you have to explain that to me a little more. It can't just be God. To which Carla Faye Tucker replied, yes, it can. It's called the joy of the Lord. When you have done something like what I have done, and you have been forgiven for it, and you're loved, that has a way of changing you. I mean, I have experienced real love. I know what real love is. I know what forgiveness is. Even when I did something so horrible, I know that because God forgave me, and I accept what Jesus did on the cross, when I leave here, I am going to go be with him. Now, folks, I call that rest. Rest even in the midst of the storm. And that is what is to be the reality for all believers in Jesus Christ. Rest. If we're going to know the rest that God has designed us for, then we need to understand just who rules this rest. And so verses 1 to 5, uh, the, 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 the part of our text that speaks of Jesus and the disciples walking through the grain field, this begins to explain to us just who rules the Sabbath. What's the problem? Well, in the first two verses, we find the problem. His disciples were picking the heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands, and eating them on the Sabbath. The law, we've got to understand this now, the law did not forbid doing this, did not forbid the, the, the picking of the grain and rubbing it in their hands. But the Pharisees interpreted them doing this as being threshing or working on the Sabbath. Deuteronomy 23, 25 reads like this, When you enter your neighbor's standing grain, then you may pluck the heads with your hand. But you shall not wield a sickle in your neighbor's standing grain. So they could do this, but the Pharisees were going further and saying what they're doing is work. Some, why would they do this? And they were saying that it was work on the Sabbath. Why would this be so upsetting to them? Well, some of the teachers of that day believed that Messiah could not even return unless the people perfectly kept the Sabbath. So obeying this law was very important, both personally and nationally, to the Pharisees. Well, how did Jesus answer them? That's found in verses 3 to 5. In verse 5, we see that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. 
Someone once pointed out that when Jesus made that statement, he was claiming to be God because it was the Lord who established the Sabbath. In Hebrews 4, verse 4 and 5, it says this, For he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, God has rested on the seventh day from all his works. Now listen to this. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. You see, God's rest is not something but someone. God's rest is himself. Someone once said, If Jesus Christ is indeed Lord of the Sabbath, then he is free to do on it and with it whatever he pleases. See, according to the law, David, as in this passage points out, was not allowed to eat the bread, yet the priest allowed it. Well, how much more for Jesus to decide for himself what will be done on the Sabbath? Do we live as though we are the Lord of the Sabbath? Do I live as though God's rest is dependent on me? Once I uh, had a student get really upset with me as I was telling the class that we cannot rest, we cannot obtain rest, we cannot realize rest of our own effort. And this student in between class came up and was very insistent that he could achieve this rest. And as we started to talk, I realized what he was saying is that I can do things that can bring about rest. And I agreed with him. Yes, you can. You can do good things. And you can do good things that will bring about rest for you. But that rest is not the rest you were designed for because it's the rest that you have created, not the rest that God has created for you to know of him. It is not him. It's you. And this is not what we were created for. You see, Matthew 7, verses 21 to 23 say this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? That's a good thing. And in your name cast out demons? That's a good thing. And in your name perform many miracles? Folks, that's a good thing too. And then Jesus says, I will declare to them who've done all these good things, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who, how does he describe their good things? You who practice lawlessness. Isn't it sobering? to think that there are many things that you and I can do that are truly good, but they're lawless because they're not the good we were created for. This is not his life in us. It's our imitation of his life in us. This is not his rest. This is our imitation of his rest. So we've seen that rest 
is to be a present-day reality for the believer in Jesus Christ. And that Jesus rules the Sabbath because this is literally God's rest. So, are we holding Jesus to our standard of rest or abiding in what is truly his rest? What is God's purpose for man with his Sabbath rest? We find this in verses 6 to 11. And we find in verses 6 to 8 that God's Sabbath rest is for man. When Jesus looks at the withered, at the man with a withered hand, he tells him, get up and come forward. What Jesus has for this man on the Sabbath is for him. His rest is for man. In Mark chapter 2, verse 27, we read this. Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. God's Sabbath rest is for man. It's interesting that after man's creation on the sixth day, he was brought into God's rest on the seventh. He was to know what was of God. The Sabbath is God's miraculous good for man. Now, listen to that again. The Sabbath is God's miraculous good for man. We see this in verses 6 to 10. In verse 9, I ask you, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save a life or destroy it? Verse 10, stretch out your hand. Jesus looks at the man with the withered hand and says, stretch out your hand. Now, maybe you've become so familiar with this story that you kind of miss things. I know I'm guilty of doing that. But this is incredible. You see, Jesus is asking the man to do what the man cannot do. Stretch out your hand. He has a withered hand. This is something he could not do himself. But we read in verse 10, and he did so. And his hand was restored. You see, he couldn't do it. But man can do what God says if God said for man to do it. This is miraculous. This is God himself. This is the life we were designed for. Now, many of you know that after being on staff at His Hill for 23 years, Arlene and I, along with our family, moved back to Louisiana to help take care of my mom and dad, who were both in, uh, who were both ailing, bad, uh, bad shape, both of them, one with Alzheimer's and the other with chronic kidney failure. And during those six years away, and dealing with all of that and other things that were coming in on top of us, I began to really struggle. And I entered into a state of depression that, that scared me. I always knew that I, you know, that, that depression was something that, that I had to deal with, but I had never known this depth 
of depression before. At one moment during that time, I had to fight the urge to literally curl up in the fetal position and just shut down. But during all that time, during all those challenges that we had to deal with, the Lord was working in my heart. And daily, daily, make, uh, causing me to be mindful of the presence of Jesus. And God's rest became in a deeper and deeper way as the depression became deeper and deeper. His rest became a more and more of a reality in the midst of the challenges that were increasingly becoming a reality. Hebrews 4, 9 and 10 says this, So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. That rest is a reality for us despite what may be going on around us. Again, this rest is not someone, I'm sorry, is not something, but someone. And the Pharisees didn't want God's rest. They didn't want his miraculousness. Verse 11 says, But they themselves were filled with rage and discussed together what they might do to Jesus. The Pharisees didn't want God's rest. They didn't want his miraculousness. Do you? This is for you. Matthew 11, verse 28 says this, Jesus is speaking, and he says, Come to me, all who have it figured out and who are living right. No. You know that's not what it says. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you myself do you think that God's rest is only a reality by what you can do or understand yourself? Or is God's rest miraculous in that it goes beyond your ability, beyond your capability, beyond your understanding? You see, God's rest is miraculous for God's rest is literally himself in Christ. Years ago, I was in northern British Columbia, and I was speaking in a couple of churches. One of the evenings, I was supposed to speak to a youth group. The youth pastor uh, picked me up, brought me to their church. We walked into the room where the Bible study was to take place, and only four kids showed up. The youth pastor's name was Dan. And Dan was embarrassed. He came over to me before we were to start and he apologized for there only being four kids. I don't know where everybody is. They knew about this 
and I expected more than this. I looked at Dan and I said, Dan, it's okay. It doesn't matter. We have four kids here. Let's have our Bible study. And the topic that we looked at that evening was the rest for the believer. At the end of that session, uh, we said goodnight to the kids and Dan and his wife took me to their house for the night. While we're driving to their house, Dan said, Kelly, I think I know why you're here. And it wasn't for the youth group. It was for me. And his wife looked at him and then turned around and looked at me and she said, and it was for me. We got to their house and it was already late, but they wanted to talk more about this rest. And so we spent the whole evening talking about Christ, our rest, and what it means for Christ to live in us. Not just to take us to heaven someday, but to be our rest today and forever. They couldn't believe this. That this life of trying to please God and trying to be like Jesus was not dependent upon them, but that God lived the very demand that he places on mankind through his son, Jesus Christ. After a while, it was, it was just too late. I, I couldn't. I just couldn't stay up any longer. They had so many questions, and I told them, guys, I've got to go to bed. The next morning, I get up. I go into the kitchen, and Dan and his wife are almost dancing around the kitchen as they're getting breakfast ready. They greeted me, said good morning, wanted to know how I slept. I said, I slept well, thank you. How did you sleep? And they said, well, we didn't sleep at all. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? They said they went to bed and they were laying there just staring at the ceiling. And Dan says, I can't believe this. He looks at his wife. Can you? She says, no, I can't believe this either. This is incredible. And they just kept talking about it and talking about it. And they finally just got up. The sun came up, so they made breakfast. They were so excited about the fact that Christ was their rest and not someone to try to imitate to hopefully someday have rest. I, out of curiosity, a few years later, sent uh, an email to Dan. I had not been in communication with him for a couple of years, and I just said, Dan, uh, I don't know if you remember me, but I'm Kelly. Spoke to your youth group a couple of years ago. Spent the night in your home. And... I'm just wondering how you're doing. And Dan replied, Kelly, of course, I remember you. The Lord used you to reveal to both my wife and me that Jesus is our life. He is our rest. And there has not been a day that we have not lived this reality, no matter what has come our way. I'm now pastoring a church and I'm telling the members of this church every Sunday that Jesus is your rest. Guys, is this your reality? Are you living a miraculous life of rest? It's only miraculous 
if it's God himself through his son, Jesus Christ, by his very Holy Spirit in you, living out and making it known. Rejoice, believer. Rest is for you. Thanks for listening. And remember, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. You've been listening to the His Hill Podcast, and today's devotional was brought to you by our host, Kelly Doherty. If you would like to get in touch with Kelly, you can contact him via email at kelly at hishill.org. You can also keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook for camp news and upcoming Hill events. Remember to keep your eyes fixed on Christ alumni. He is worth trusting with everything under the sun. Thank you all so much for tuning in with us this week to another episode of the His Hill Podcast. I'm Lizzie, and we'll see you next week.